last week, if you remember, we began to look at the impact that a man or a woman of biblical integrity can have upon their surroundings. How can we make a difference in this culture? I mean, I, I think nobody can deny as you look around us, everything is changing. I mean, our world is slip, slipping. You know, ominous shadows are falling over politics, family life, education. Everything seems, you know, to, to, to not, it, it just isn't happening. And how do we as a Christian, what type of a Christian does it take for us to make an impact in this kind of a society? And the thing we started to look at last week is the word called integrity. The word called integrity. It, it's not exactly what we think right away because we think about integrity. We think about, you know, always doing the right thing. We think about morals, right and wrong, all of that. And yes, that is there. But our integrity deals deeper than that. It deals with our character. It deals with our walk with Christ. Matter of fact, the biblical word integrity, um, it talks about an uprightness, a soundness. It means solid. We looked at that picture last week of no veneer. You know, that's not just on the surface, you know, uh, that, that we look like, you know, we're Christians and then you, know, you get a little bit deeper and, and, and the practices don't follow. Um, how can we as Christians have an impact on our society? Well, the answer is we're going to need integrity. We're going to need to be solid. We're going to need to have a depth. Now, last week, we started looking at three reasons of why integrity is so important to a Christian. Last week, we looked at the first one. We talked about because of the dynamic of our culture. Um, we said that you're either going to master the culture or the culture is going to master you. You're either going to change it or it's going to change you. And to do that, we looked at the example of Jesus Christ, how he ate with sinners and prostitutes and hard men. I mean... The, the prevailing view of that time by the religious leaders is you don't associate with sinners. I mean, something might rub off on you. You don't, you know, you don't, you don't go near them. But Christ, he, he immersed himself in sinners. You know? And the difference that he made in not being affected by their sin is that he was solid. You know, he had no veneer. He had integrity. So we're going to move on to the, the second and then the third reason today. So first of all, why, why do we as Christians need to have integrity? Why do we need to be solid through and through in our faith? I mean, to, not perfect, but genuine in, in all aspects of, of our life. Well, first of all, because of the dynamics of our culture. The second thing we're going to look at is because of the condition of the church. And I'm really sorry to say this, but the condition of the church is not one of integrity. Kind of like the early church of Corinth, we're not making an impact on the world. But the world, I find, is making an impact upon the church. And because of that, the church is creating a credibility gap between us and the culture that we're trying to reach and we're trying to you know, introduce to Jesus Christ. I mean, for some 20 centuries, the church has been telling the world, you know, believe the gospel. Well, today in the 21st century, the world is telling us, behave the gospel. We're a lot of talk. We say a lot of things. We are being called into account for our authority, our right to be heard. The world is looking at us saying, we make great claims. We either need to put up or we need to shut up. And as a whole, we have not produced as Christians an integrity, a genuineness. Now, let me clarify something here. 
The church has always been the center of the world's attacks. It always will be. We live in a fallen world, a sin-filled world. We were all part of it. You know, if we're Christians before Christ, you know, his shed blood forgave us of our sins. We're still imperfect. We still sin. We understand that we live in a fallen world. And the world has always attacked the church and the gospel message. But again, it used to be that they attacked our beliefs. We are fast becoming the center of the attacks because of our behavior. And quite honestly, the hypocrisy that they so often see within Christianity. I had uh, this statistic. This is from 20 years ago. I actually pulled this up. Gallup Poll, you're familiar with that, did a, did a survey. And they found that the greater percentage of population, this is 20 years ago, attended church than during the colonial times. That a greater percentage in America of people attended church than way back in the colonial times. The conclusion that they came to that after everything, and we'll share some of this, is they said this, they never has the church made such inroads but making so little difference. Never has the church made such inroads into our culture but made so little difference. Gallup compared the behavior of churched and unchurched people in the variety of categories. People who call in sick when they weren't, people who puffed up their resume, in other words, lied on their resume, people who cheated on tax deductions, and they found that there is little difference in their ethical views or the behavior of whether a person says they're a Christian or they're not a Christian. And the result is what we found in the recent Gallup poll. Because of this, what was happening 20 years ago, because we weren't making an impact, you know, we were influencing on the surface, but we weren't getting depth to it. As a result of that, Gallup's recent poll says that the largest area of belief that has grown over the last 20 years is atheism. Atheism. And this is all about our integrity. It's about Jesus Christ making a difference, about our lives being solid for Christ. No veneer. Not perfect, but genuine. And we talked about this a little bit in AB, AF class. And we're not talking just about this moral side, but we're talking again about the genuineness of the things that really make of Christianity, of grace and mercy and forgiveness, you know, a zeal and a, and a passion for the Lord. I mean, is it, is it in us through and through or is it just here right now when everybody else and it, it, it's so easy you know, to get on the bandwagon here? What happens when we're at work? What happens when we're in our homes? And again, I don't say these things to be gloom and doom, but rather this is a call for us to come to arms as a church and as individual Christians. Integrity as a church, what are we talking about when we're saying integrity as a church? Well, let me, let me list a few things here. Number one, not showing partiality based on a person's income or their influence or their education. You know, James talks a lot about that. Not treating someone who comes in different who looks like a Christian differently than you would someone who comes in that looks like they're on hard times. You know, a soul's a soul that needs Christ. It doesn't make any difference. Second thing, not changing our standards and practices when they go against the grain. Being a Christian is going to mean being different. And that means I'm going to be swimming upstream for most of my life. And especially now in, to, in today's culture. Number three, 
making decisions based on God's holy word, not on whether it'll attract more people to the church. Do we make decisions based on God's holy word and on his kingdom? Or what, do we make the decisions on how can we get more people to come to church? Or how can we not offend somebody? Number four, and, and we've already touched on this, is as a church we need to walk our talk. You know, as a church it breaks down to each individual life, upholding our values and, and living our Christian faith, and then we come together as the church of Jesus Christ. That's how we have integrity as a church. I want to take you real quickly, and you, if you'd like to, we're going to put these verses up here. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. Go ahead and put these up there. You can go ahead and turn there if you'd like. Paul's writing this to the Corinthian church, you know, that you know they had a lot of struggle, there was a lot of immorality, not a lot of difference between the church and the people. And he says, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with covetous or swindlers or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. In other words, his, you know, uh, you know, the, when, when he said don't associate with moral people, he wasn't talking about the world. He was talking about Christians who are immoral, who are not genuine. He says, actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not to even eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge who... Are, those who are within the church, but those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. You see, Paul's concern was not only in correcting the man who has fallen into sin, but he was also correcting the church for allowing a person to just go on and continue in their sin and to, to join its ranks and to join its fellowship and to ignore a person's sin. And I think what Paul is talking about here, he's talking about what our attitude is as a church. You know, are, are we just happy that people are here? Are we are trying to, you know, model Jesus Christ for them? You know, in our, in our humility, in our forgiveness, in our grace, in our mercy, you know, in our ethics. I mean, what are, what are we trying to do here? You know, do we only give a casual nod to things of immorality and idolatry? You know, well, we're just happy to come to church. You know, are we, are we trying to save people from these things to change them? Are we trying to reach them and to get them out of this? See, ultimately, you know, that attitude is obviously we want to reach people and, you know, sinners are, we want sinners to come into church and to, to find Christ. But ultimately, to not see that this is the need is Jesus Christ and forgiveness of our sin. To not go to that point and just to to accept people. We're just happy you're here. We're not doing that person a favor, and we're just doing a disservice to the kingdom of God. We need a spiritual pureness and an integrity. And ultimately, and this is tough, if it cannot happen in a person's life within the church, Paul says, remove that person. And, I mean, do we do that? Do we even care enough about a person that a brother in Christ that maybe has fallen into sin, do we care enough about them to not just talk about them, but to pray for them? Do we care enough about them 
to put ourselves out on the limb and go and talk to them, to share God's word with them, you know, to try to help to recover them and, and you know, to get that light, Christian light bulb to go back on in their head and to, to draw them back. Do we care enough? You know, but once again, it seems, you know, in Christendom, we are just happy that, when, that, that people are, are, are here and people have come. Well, Jesus Christ wanted a depth. He wanted an integrity. He wanted no veneer. You see, when the church loses its desire to keep its own house in order, it loses its ability to impact the community in which it exists. And I am very thankful, I will tell you this, I am very thankful for the men in this church that over, what, 23 years that have from time to time come to me and talk to me about something in my life. Something might, or, or just feeling that, you know, maybe an area that I'm straying in. You know, in love that they have done that. I want that. You should want that as a Christian. You know, not just, well, we're happy we're here together and we're just accepting it all. We're here for one another. To help build one another up. To challenge one another. And at times to come and, and to, you know, maybe point out a, 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 a blind spot in our life that, that we have concerning sin. Again, we're not talking about being perfect people. But are we progressing in our relationship to, to be more like Jesus Christ? So I said there are three reasons. The first was because of the dynamics of the culture that we're living in. That's why we need to be solid. We need integrity. The second is because of the condition that the church is in. The third is become, because of the context of our message. The context of our message. If you have your Bibles, turn over to 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says there, we'll put this up. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Let me read it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you're a Christian, when you become a Christian, you're a new creature. A new creature. Old things, things of the world, they pass away. Behold, all things become new. It's different. It's a life change. This is the whole thrust of what Christianity is. Christianity is supposed to change us. Every day, I'm supposed to wake up to that realization, you know, that, that Christ is working in me to become more like Jesus Christ until that day that we stand before him. That I'm trying, I'm striving, I'm, you know, that's my focus, that's my hunger, that's my desire to understand my salvation, to understand what it means to be a child of God. And we make a difference by being different. Not by being the same creation, but by being a new creation. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, here's some familiar verses to you. It says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot of men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We are to be different if you are a Christian, you're supposed to make a difference. I mean, the, the analogies here is, you know, we're salt. We're light. And these are, 
you know, two analogies that we talk about all the time, you know, of, you know, putting our light up on that hill and not putting a bush, put it under a bushel. No, we're going to let it shine. Folks, remember what those two analogies are preceded by? Remember what comes before Matthew 5, 13 through 16? Remember what comes before them? The Beatitudes, where Christ says, be gentle, be merciful, hunger and thirst for righteousness, be pure, be peacemakers. Literally, what he's saying here is character precedes your conduct. Who you are in church before what you do. You know, what, what, what are you really? Attitude should become before action. You know, what you are determines ultimately what you will be able to do, the impact that you will have. So let me ask you this. I'm talking about this for two weeks now. Let me ask you this. Have, are you making anyone thirsty for Jesus Christ? Is your life, are you making anyone thirsty for Jesus Christ? You know, the saying goes that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Well, that's not totally true. You can feed them salt, and you can create a thirst of, of, of the water that you have. You are the salt of the earth. That's what we are. But if the salt becomes tasteless, how can it be made salty again? We lose our distinctive when we lose our integrity, that we're not solid through and through, that we're living our faith. The content, the claims of our message, the Bible here, is, is going to make the difference in how we live our lives out. And that's what people need to see. Now we hear all the time, and I hear this all the time, someone will bemoan, well, I'm the, only, I'm the only Christian in my department. Or I'm the only Christian in my club in 4-H or on my sports team. Or I'm the only Christian that I know of in my neighborhood. Well, think about it. God has sovereignly placed you in that setting for you to be salt and for you to be a light. To reach that workplace, to reach that, reach that club, that sports team, that, that neighbor for Jesus Christ. The main problem with Christians today is not, not that we aren't what we should be, but we're, excuse me, we aren't where we should be, but we're, we're not what we should be. You know, we, 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 we need to be that light. We need to be that true light, bright, shining at, you know, our workplace, in the hospital, in the teacher's lounge, at school, wherever it might be. Christians of integrity are never dissolved by a stream in which they swim. Not sure where I got that quote, but I thought that was beautiful. Christians of integrity are never dissolved by the stream in which they swim because they break with the crowd. But without integrity, without a genuineness on our part, you know, we're hemorrhaging from the heart. Gordon MacLeod, take a quote from a book of his, he says, I simply argue that the cross should be raised at the center of the marketplace as well as the steeple of the church. And recovering the claim that Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves, on the town's garbage heap, at a crossroads so cosmopolitan that they had to write his title in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. Because excuse me, 
at a kind of place where cynics talk smut and thieves curse and soldiers gamble because that is where he died and that is what he died for and that is what he died about that is where christians ought to be and what christians ought to be about and what a challenge that we have to be his representatives in the midst of a crumbling culture in the midst of you know a church that has forgotten its foundation and for a message whose content we we shouldn't dilute we can't dilute the difference is our integrity to be solid and i pray that's your prayer and again we're not talking perfection here i i always hesitate you know when you preach a message like this you know because we do need to talk about character we need to talk about depth morality and those sorts of things but that 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 isn't our faith our faith is jesus christ our faith is about forgiveness and being forgiven it's about humility and and mercy and grace and all of those things that's what it means to be a christian to be saved but but then christianity then once we are saved again we are new creatures in jesus christ the old is passed away i'm crucified with christ it says nevertheless i nevertheless i live yet not i but christ lives in me people need to see jesus christ in your life in my life are we any are we making anybody thirsty for christ when they look at us you are the salt of the earth but if the salt has become tasteless how can it be made salty again it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men you are the light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven lord that is our prayer that is my prayer for my life that father that you would keep this before me my heart's desire to be like you to not have that fear that when i walk into the world when i step into a place where you know i'm i overwhelmed by the actions and the attitudes but lord that i can step in and make a difference that i can be genuine for you and i pray for each and every one here lord you know where you have planted us to be a light and you know where we're at as far as our saltiness and whether we've you know lost some of it or whatever father i pray that you would help us to to strive towards you to start with that heart's desire lord you know put upon our heart each and every one of us maybe those areas where you know we've we're not solid for you and that place that we go that maybe we leave our faith behind lord i thank you for your forgiveness i thank you for your son jesus for your love for us for his death on the cross to forgive me of my sins and now lord we we go and we bear this message as we say so often in broken vessels the most precious message help us lord to make an impact on the culture you've planted us in thank you in your son's name we pray amen